This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Bet and Breakfast, a podcast from BetSided. Hey, does anybody want coffee? Who wants coffee? It's sports betting for everyone. I'm here to tell you today that the New York Yankees season is done. Stick a fork in him, it's over. Lamar Jackson, I can't believe he's that low on the list that he's my bet for sure at this point in the season. Early leans, best bets, props, parlays. If you can bet it, we've got it. I'm taking the over on this. If you look at the last five games, this is a game waiting for points to be scored. Tom Brady, I think everyone's heard of him. If Brady puts up the numbers, they have the 10th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Get in, get out, and you're ready to go. I think they're going to have to give him the award if Dallas ends up locking up this division and possibly even that number one seed. And here are your hosts, Ben Heisler, Ian McMillan, Peter Dewey, Donovan Smoot, and Reed Wallet. What comes before anything? What have we always said is the most important thing? Breakfast family. I thought you meant the things you eat. Bed and breakfast live on a Monday. What's happening, everybody? Ben Heisler, Peter Dewey, Reed Wallach, the Monday crew is here getting you ready for our early leans for week 14 in the NFL. We got bowl season out. Reed has already probably bet every single one. What, what, what would you say? It was everyone, maybe five, 10, 20 of them. I think there's 42. How many have you bet so far? Not everyone. I bet three five six, that like 12 so far so we got like a do- we got a dozen already i'll talk about one i'll talk about one i'll write up some like probably all of them anyway but yeah we're we got we got going right, on sunday afternoon we're we're fully on board so we're smacked up in the middle of bowl season that's going to be kicking off soon we have the college football playoff already set so clearly guys a ton of stuff to be able to get into but we got some breaking news. Uh, Peter, I, I'm going to the, the news desk for you. You were the one that brought this to my attention right before we went live. Uh, from Shams over at the Athletic and Stadium, big report about the future of what two teams could look like involving Portland and the Philadelphia 76ers. Ben Simmons talk, heating up again, baby. What's the latest? Yeah, so the Athletic put, just put out a report, uh, Shams and Sam Amick, about the Blazers front office, kind of how they're going to proceed after letting Neil Olshie go. And apparently they have sources that say Damian Lillard with Ben Simmons. And that prior to letting Olshi go, they had discussed a framework of a deal that was CJ McCollum, a first round pick and either Anthony Simons or Nasir Little for Ben Simmons. So that's crazy because I didn't know like this is the first I'm hearing of Dame actually wanting to play with Ben Simmons, which gives you the clear path of you trade McCollum. Um, but curious to hear your guys' thoughts because I can see the fit. I just also think it's surprising um, given the time now that this is when it's coming out that they want to do a deal like this. From Lillard's perspective, it's curious. It makes sense because if Simmons is going to be a distributor for him to get him some more open looks and to shore up their defense, which, I mean, we were talking about it before the beginning of the show. Chauncey Billups was brought in to help fix a lot of issues that they had under Terry Stotts on the defensive side of the ball, right? And it hasn't happened yet. So if you bring in Simmons, it changes that dynamic, especially in the, in the backcourt. The thing that's curious to me is that Lillard all throughout this was never hanging CJ McCollum out to dry. And it kind of feels like he's just sort of saying, all right, stuff ain't working right now. Let's go ahead and, and, and try something. Like I'm only getting older. I know I'm still getting paid for several years, but we need to mix things up. And now I'm just kind of curious as to whether or not it's more of an opportunity for him to say, let me take care of Simmons. Let me bring him along. 
McCollum can go and do his thing, and maybe this is a win for both sides. Do you see it that way too, Reed? Yeah, I, I just feel like going into the year even, I really was off Portland. I didn't like them at the end of last year. Just It's the same team over and over again. It feels like they hit their ceiling. So this I'm surprised by the report, obviously, but I, I kind of love the fit for Portland. I think it would be a great pivot. I mean, they're still – I believe last year they were bottom two in defensive rating. This year they're dead last. Um, I'm more curious if Philly would do that. We know Daryl Morey has incredibly high expectations for a Ben Simmons trade offer, but – when does enough become enough? When does the rubber meet the road here? When do you say, okay, we have a chance to contend for a title. Are we really going to have Ben Simmons sit out the entire year? Because I can't see him playing in Philly ever again. Just I feel like that ship has sailed. So That's the thing I think too, Reed. Like I just don't know. Like If you can't waste Joel Embiid's prime, like a prime year of him, a year after he finished second in the MVP, just letting yeah. Ben Simmons sit out. It just doesn't make sense. Like I think the McCollum fit for them – like Tyrese Maxey's been really good this year. You add McCollum to like a rotation of him, Seth Curry, like that automatically boosts their offense. He gives them exactly what they need. They need a guard who can get his own shot, score on his own. Like Ben Simmons wasn't doing that. Obviously, you lose a little bit of the playmaking in the defense, but they haven't taken a huge step back defensively this year, honestly, without Simmons right now. So, yeah, I, I kind of like it for both sides. No, I so Philly's around league average in defensive rating this year. Embiid's missed some time um, with COVID protocols, the knee injury. So, does the defense maybe fall? You know, does it hang around league average? I think Nazir Little, I think, is probably a better fit than um, Anthony Simon, just because you already have Maxi, Seth Curry, you already have that playmaking. So, is this the best offer Philly's going to get? Are they going to try and hold out just a little bit longer to the trade deadline? But the East is still open. I mean, the Nets, you know. And you can see the Jason Kidd jersey behind me, but uh, you know, I they're beatable. They are. Um, is Chicago a serious contender? Milwaukee has had their injuries during the year, so this is still an opportunity for Philly to get right back in the title mix. Right now, I don't see them as a finals contender. Just with you know, it, the roster is a little too shallow, so this could definitely build up their depth. All right. So I was actually while you guys were having this conversation, I was going over to our, our friends over at WinBet, taking a look at the latest NBA future odds. And you have the Philadelphia 76ers right now at plus 2000 going down the list. That makes them seventh, I believe, uh, amongst NBA contenders. You, have, of course, have Brooklyn, Golden State, Milwaukee, Phoenix, Utah, the Lakers and Miami all ahead of them. The Sixers, interestingly enough, are still tied with the Nuggets and the Clippers. Uh, Nuggets not looking like a, a playoff team anytime soon. The Clippers have had all sorts of struggles. Clippers and Blazers, by the way, play tonight over in the late game. If you're looking for some betting angles, we'll, of course, have some for you over at BetSided. Um, but but from that standpoint, the Sixers are, tw- are, are 20 to 1, and Portland is 75 to 1. So it begs for an interesting question. Right now, they are all available at WinBet. But if they make this trade, let's say it is Simmons, young player, and a first-round draft pick, or excuse me, uh, McCollum, young player, and a first-round draft pick that goes to Philadelphia. Ben Simmons comes to Portland. Do you like either of these teams' futures for a buy-low spot at this point? Uh, maybe the Sixers. I definitely don't like Portland. I just don't think Portland, like Reed said, they've run back the same team. Even if you trade for Ben Simmons, like – I don't think he's a ceiling raiser necessarily for them. I think he raises their floor a little bit just because they'll be a better defensive team. But like, I don't think they go make a leap where it's like, oh, we have Ben Simmons and now we're a top four seed in the West. Like, I think they're still a borderline playoff team at this point, even with him on the roster, just because they can't win games on the road and they don't defend anybody. It's a terrible combination. <laughs> um, but for for the Sixers, like, 
I could see. I think the East is open. Like Philly did get the one seed last year. Like you add McCollum in if he ends up being as good of a fit. Like Joel Embiid's one of the probably the five to six best players in the NBA. Like I'd take a shot at them at plus two thousand, but I, I I don't know either of these teams. It's a little shaky to start the year the the, the way they played. Yeah, Portland. No, nothing for me on Portland. That's uh, no, no thanks. Uh, Philly, yeah, and their odds should definitely take a you know jump uh, up the board a little bit. But I don't know. I, I the defense would probably become a little bit concerning for me without Simmons. Just you know, McCollum has been targeted in the postseason before. I'd have to see the full package. But I guess Philly, if I had to pick, but I kind of agree with what everything Peter said. I think you guys are missing out on on a golden opportunity where if you jump on it now and there's still plenty of time, like if you're looking at Portland right now, they're the 10 seed. So they'd have a play in game uh, to to head into the the NBA playoffs. They're just on the inside. Um, But who impresses you in the West this year? I obviously golden state is the best record in Utah. (laughs) Very top heavy, but I mean, I, this kind of reminds me when when the Suns made a move for Chris Paul uh, and I was able to jump on them at 80 to one. Now, it didn't ultimately end up working out. And you guys have heard my hedge story that went horribly, horribly wrong. But I, purely from a value standpoint, getting them at 75 to one could be really intriguing if they start to get hot. And we've seen multiple seasons where Portland has been one of those teams in the second half of the season that has really picked up steam and have played well in the postseason before finally just settling against the a team that's far superior to them, but then maybe it's an opportunity to hedge after that. So I, I just think purely from a number standpoint, it's less about the teams, more about the number with Ben Simmons and Damian Lillard. That's a team that's worth it at 75 to one. To me. Do, do we think Ben Simmons and Dame is a better one, two punch than Ben Simmons and Embiid? Cause like, I, that's where, that's where it comes to me. Like, I just think Ben Simmons and Embiid was two better player. Like, and Bede's a better player, in my opinion, right now than Damian Lillard is. Like, I don't think I might be crazy. Yeah, for that I mean, they're, they're I think drastically different yeah. players at different positions. Yes. Like, like you you would agree that, and and I I know we got to get to the best bets and our, our favorite early lanes, but this is still a fascinating subject here. But you would agree that like the Embiid Simmons experiment, yes, they were two unbelievable players, but they never ultimately meshed well together because you needed the shooters to be able to space things out. That's why I wonder with Portland, does Ben Simmons, can he coexist with Nurkic, who stretches the floor less than Embiid at the same That's time? Fair. And you have him, and then, like, yes, you have Norman Powell, Robert Covington can stretch the floor, but, like, where does Ben Simmons fit in outside of as a playmaker? Because, like, unlike Embiid, who can step outside and run a pick and pop or shoot the three, shoot the mid-range, like, Nurkic is 10 feet and in. That's his game. So I just don't – That's that would be my biggest concern for Portland offensively. I think they're better defensively, but I just don't – I don't know, like, if him and Embiid didn't work, I feel like you need a stretch five with Ben Simmons if you're going to gonna have him on the roster. Fair also, enough. like, the, the Phoenix – just one more thing. The Phoenix trade for Chris Paul, like, to me, Ben Simmons, he has to prove a lot, and I don't know if I'm going to bat for Ben Simmons to do – I mean, we've just seen it in the postseason, and now where's his head at? Also, I just – like, if we're comparing him to Phoenix last year where they made that run – that roster is much uh, more well constructed than this Portland roster, especially because they're gonna have to give up assets to go get Ben Simmons. So I'm sticking, to, I'm staying away from Portland, but I do like the trade. I like the idea, and I think that Portland does get marginally better, just not a Finals contender. 
Perfectly fair. All right, plenty of uh, discussion ahead on uh, on BetSided for this. We'll continue to keep our eye on the latest futures odds. But let's get into our week 14 early leans. Of course, we got some early leans for bowl game season as well. All of them were announced last night. Uh, WinBet has a bulk of them up. Of course, all the early leans and uh, NFL games are up on WinBet as well. We have them for you over at BetSided. Uh, but let's go around the horn here. You got uh, a little bit of mix of NFL games. You got... Uh, a bowl game. I think it's the Armed Forces Bowl that uh, Reed you're taking a look at. So let's let's start with you. Give me uh, give me your play here with bowl season already. What uh, eight eight days away? Nine days away? Starting with uh, the Boca Raton Bowl. Beautiful time of year, bowl season. Um, I hit a bunch of openers. You could go check them out. I post them on Twitter already. I'll have write ups all week. But one that I think is going to keep ticking up is the Army Missouri line. It already went from three to three and a half, and triple option team service academy teams thrive in bowl season. I'm going to have a write-up on this during um, this little time in between the bowls. But simply put, this Missouri defense is not going to be able to stop Army. They are outside the top 120 in defensive rush success, so bottom 10 in the entire country. Now they're going up against an Army team that pretty much only runs. So I really see Missouri not getting any stops in this one. The Army defense is going to be able to do just enough to get, um, stop a pretty um, below-average Missouri offense. So give me Army minus three and a half. I'd play this uh, through four. That's a really intriguing call, especially playing in the Armed Forces Bowl. So you get the you get the namesake to go <laughs> yes, along exactly. for Army. Uh, and, and Mizzou, definitely, definitely some disappointing games this year. I, I was really big, especially being in the area here in Kansas City, uh, on Coach Drinkwitz. And I, I still think he's going to recruit really well. He already has. Um, but yeah, a, a bit of a, a struggle for Mizzou this year to try and get things going. What about you, Pete? I know you're looking towards the NFL uh, with your pick this week to get uh, to get on board before the Lions move. So who are you taking? Yeah, I'm looking at the Falcons plus three against Carolina. I just don't know. This Panthers team's got a lot going against them right now. They just fired Joe Brady yesterday. Cam Newton did not look good in his last start um, against the Dolphins. And Christian McCaffrey's out for the year. Panthers are 6-12 and 12 all time without McCaffrey. 1-4 and four this season without him. I just don't really know where this offense goes from here. Obviously, they weren't happy with Joe Brady, but at the same time, I don't really know if it's his fault. They have had horrible quarterback quarterback play since week three. Like Sam Darnold was really, really bad. Cam Newton has not looked good um, over his last, like I think, six quarters. He's been, he's been terrible. So the, the Panthers just scare me in this spot as a favorite. And Atlanta, I know they've gotten blown out by a couple teams, but when they've played lesser competition, they've hung around in games, and they've also won a few games. That's why they're five and seven. So I'll gladly take them with the points. I wouldn't be surprised if this line actually moves towards them in this game. I just, I don't know how you can back the Panthers right now with all that uncertainty. Yeah. I, I think both of those injuries that you mentioned are, are fairly substantial. And, and the Brady firing was very, very surprising to me considering all the hype that he had gotten leading up and being a really innovative mind. Like he can go back and be in contention for any of these college football head coaching openings. And so for him to leave the Absolutely. NFL, um, with Carolina, I don't know if that's a, a Matt Rule thing trying to uh, sort of take control over the situation, or maybe they were button heads a little bit. But it, it very surprising considering um, everything that was surrounding him heading into the hire. I still think he's highly regarded in the space. You know, for me, I, I'm looking at a matchup. You saw the uh, the 49ers last week. Um, it, they they looked great on offense the first half, and then really both teams were a mess on offense in the second. I think it was George Kittle postgame that said, yeah, if we don't score any points on the road at Seattle, we're going to lose the game. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Uh, we've already actually seen a little bit of movement. I think this game opened up 
uh, with the 49ers at plus one. It's since gone down to a pick. I'm over at WinBet against the Cincinnati Bengals. You got Joe Burrow hurt. I know Joe Mixon came back in the game, but he's still banged up. 49ers still at one point, their offense was really clicking. They were really running the ball effectively. Uh, as you saw in the game from the Chargers, there are ways to pick apart the Bengals' defense. They're very Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, some days they're going to be able to completely shut you down, get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Uh, but I, I don't see that happening, especially with how much better the 49ers offensive line has been playing. I also think you can run on Cincinnati too. Now, traveling west to east, it's not particularly an ideal spot. But the 49ers, like the Chargers, have been those teams that it doesn't really matter for them. And we've talked about this here on the Monday edition of Bet and Breakfast all the time. Kyle Shanahan, terrible as a favorite, outstanding as an underdog. I don't know where he fits in as a pick em, <laughs> I feel like I can move it slightly over uh, to the side of uh, an underdog and, and feel like they're just going to be in, in good shape. So maybe bet him now before the line moves in favor of San Francisco. But Cincinnati especially, with so much unknown surrounding the status of Burrow uh, and perhaps Nixon as well, definitely something that you're going to keep an eye on heading into the game next Sunday. All right, it is time for our Monday best bets. We take a look at the whole slate. It can be anything from Monday night football. It can be NBA, NHL, college basketball, really whatever's on the slate for a Monday is certainly available to us. So let me go ahead and start things off with you, Peter. I know you got a play in the association. It's going to be a part of your best bets column that you write a little bit later on today over at BetSided. Uh, not a particularly interesting matchup because the Golden State Warriors are taking on the Orlando Magic. That is not going to go particularly well, I would think, for Orlando, but you got an eye on the total. Yeah, I'm looking at the total. I'm going to play the under 215 in this game. Um, if you look at it, Golden State, number one in off uh, in uh, defensive rating, number two in offensive rating. Orlando, on the other hand, is really, really bad. 27th in offensive rating, 26th in defensive rating. The Warriors have had a lot of games recently against teams. They play the Pelicans. They play the Pistons that are at the bottom half of the league in both of these sets. And they've continuously played unders in those games because they've held these teams under 100 points. I think that happens again against Orlando today. The Warriors are the mo that have hit the under in 16 of their 23 games this year. And on top of that, six of their last nine. The reasoning is I genuinely think sportsbooks have them higher totals because they expect the Warriors offense to explode, but I don't think they're factoring in how great this defense has been this year. They've been really, really good. I just don't see Orlando being able to score enough in the game in this game to get to this point. And we look at um, Golden State, like I said, six of their last nine games, they played Phoenix in, in one of those games. They've played some good offensive teams. They've still kept playing under this number. So I'll play that for sure tonight. All right, so we got under 215 in the Magic and Warriors game. That game taking place in San Francisco. Reed, you and I are looking at Monday Night Football. Fantastic matchup on paper. You got the Patriots, the hottest team in the NFL, heading to Buffalo. But despite the Patriots being on top of the AFC East, they are currently a three-point dog on the road. Mac Jones continuing to make his case uh, for NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. We thought it was Jamar Chase's to lose, and it seems like he's kind of on his way to losing it. But uh, give me a play that you like for this game. Yeah, I, I like New England plus three. I just I see this being a really tight, close game. Of course, a lot of weather is going to impact this game, and that takes me to my best bet, the first half under 20 and a half. Um, north of 25-mile-per-hour wind gusts in this game. Both, de both teams inside the top three in defensive EPA per play. So I think we're going to see a lot of fourth down attempts, a lot of stops. Um, two really good kicking teams here with Nick Folk and Tyler Bass. I don't think they're going to be a factor in this one. I think we're going to see a lot of go for it. a lot of uh, defensive stands um, in their territory. So I like New England-Buffalo. I think this is going to be a really, really, really low-scoring game. Maybe something like 
13-10 Buffalo. 13-10 at the end of the game? because yeah, uh, I, yeah. I think this is a defensive uh, struggle all game. I think a lot of running plays, a lot of fourth down stands, and we see a way under game. And, and if anything, I actually think that's an advantage for Buffalo because no Tredavious wide for the rest of the season uh, to be able to try and shut anybody down. I, I think if you can run the ball, Buffalo would actually probably consider that to be a win. Uh, but the Patriots have had success with both Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, and Brandon Bolden catching the ball out of the backfield. So that's it's not going to be one of those Monday night football games. I, I think a lot of people are expecting some firepower from. So I'm with you there, and I like the first half under as well. Um, if they are going to go through the air, Mac Jones, <laughs> Hunter Henry. Uh, I think this is my my either my third or my fourth anytime touchdown prop bet here on Bet and Breakfast. We can go back and go through the old episodes, but I think I know a couple of them have hit. Uh, but Hunter Henry, the, the odds just don't add up here. And I know that he's, he's currently questionable for this game. He leads the Patriots in touchdown receptions with seven. And that's two more than their second leading receiver, which is Kendrick Bourne. And he caught two of those in their previous matchup last week. Hunter Henry, guys, is their red zone offense through the air. He's seen multiple red zone targets in four of his last five games. Mac Jones is consistently looking his way, especially when they're right by the goal line. Um, and again, you brought up the, the weather, read that the 20 plus wind mile per hour gusts, if anything, that's going to mean Mac Jones is probably going to want to keep the ball in the middle of the field if they're not running. And that's where Hunter Henry tends to run a bulk of his routes is right in the middle as a deep red zone target. So I think you can do 50, 50 balls to him. You can find him in the middle of the field. It just makes more sense, especially with the wind that you're not going to try and go outside to somebody like Aguilar or Kendrick Bourne, use the middle of the field with somebody like Hunter Henry and plus 350 for a guy leading your team in touchdown receptions. Uh, I'm jumping on that as fast as I possibly can. So there you have it, guys. That is our best bets for Monday. That is, of course, our show. Appreciate all you guys for getting up with us here on a Monday. For Peter, for Reed, I am Ben. Plenty more coverage ahead just by going to fansided.com slash betsided. Until then, we will see you guys again on Thursday. And don't forget to check out our best bets video here on YouTube coming up on Tuesday as well. We'll talk to you guys soon. Be good. Good luck with all of your bets tonight. So long. Thank you.